0: I think I had myself on mute. Sorry about that. Approximately one year ago, I looked into the coming of 2020, a new year, and as I often do, I preached a message uh, giving sort of a theme for the year, something that we can aim at or something that we can work on this year. And uh, the theme coming into 2020, if you have been paying any attention at all, was uh, what I called Back to the Basics. And of course, at the time, I had. No idea what 2020 was going to hold. I had no idea what it was going to look like. I had no idea that uh, on a day like today, at the end of 2020, I uh, am intending to actually preach a, I see my font didn't translate here very well. Sorry about that. Anyway, I see that, uh, uh, I had no idea that looking at the end of the year, that as we look back at the same, uh, the same text, the same uh, verses, the same theme, That it will look a lot different than it did when I said it a year ago. I'd like to have you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read actually the same verses I read a year ago and uh, spend some of the time with the same comments. There will be some changes, of course, that we go through as we go through, but I'd like to have us look. uh, You know, I didn't, I actually preached very few messages with this exact title or this exact theme. However, there was a lot of messages that I did preach that that fit into it. Many times, we spent some time uh, during lockdown when we were having church in our homes, and I was doing video sermons that I uh, was visiting this theme. I didn't call it this, but I was visiting this theme of, of returning back to the basics of our faith. Uh, we spent some time at other times, even when we were gathered here, where I said, I've, I, 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 I didn't call it this, but there's a, there's a sense for me to, to, to say, we really need to focus on what is the core of fundamental basics of our Christian faith. And again, I had no idea a year ago when I would share these words with the congregation here that uh, what what it would look like, but I think you can agree with me that uh, the Lord obviously knew what was coming, and I don't claim any special inspiration because of having done this, but I think you'll agree with me that uh, it was certainly a valid theme for us this year. It's a valid thing for us to spend time doing, and Maybe, again, today is a bit of uh, a, a checkup on, did we actually do that? Did we spend time? There's all kinds of things. You know, uh, again, I, I, I didn't plan it this way. I didn't actually didn't even look ahead. But our Sunday school lesson, if you were here today for Sunday school, was on the fact that uh, we have trials. And, and, uh, and, and uh, there's, there's two things that can happen when there's trials, Right? Uh, you can say this uh, maybe a couple different ways, but there's two things that can happen. We can either we can either be overwhelmed by them, and we can get uh, discouraged by them, and we can lose faith, or we can walk away from our faith, or we can say uh, this is this is I'm, I'm I'm done with this. I'm not signing up for this anymore. Or we can we can sort of hunker down and let it refine or hone in what really matters. So in some sense. My message today is really a lot of what Aaron just said about the fact that we need to be aware of what really matters. Let's read from Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 verse 28 is where I want to start reading. I'll read through verse uh, 34 this morning. Jesus, of course, he's alive, he's walking around, he's uh, doing miracles, he's ministering to people, Uh, he's having lots of questions, he's having opposition from the Jewish leaders, though they were among those looking for a Messiah, they were among those who did not recognize him when he came, did not like how he came, did not like what he did when he came, and it says in verse 28 that one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and the dispute, by the way, was he had just been asked by the Sadducees about the resurrection. They, of course, did not believe in the resurrection. So they're putting questions to him. And a scribe comes up, it says in verse 28, and he hears them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered, the he being Jesus, that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Of all the commandments that Moses had given, of all the commandments they followed, which one is the most important of all? Jesus answered him in verse 29, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Father, it is the word that you have inspired by your Holy Spirit that we read from this morning, that we want to be taught from this morning. So we want to be clear to ask you. We want to be direct to ask you to teach us, to open your word to us, to lead us in understanding. The reality is, Father, is the text we've probably wrestled with before. We've talked about before. I know if we were here a year ago, oh, it was taught on before. And so the question isn't so much that you would illuminate to us some new and great understanding about what your word says, but that you would strip away the layers of, uh, of insincerity, of laziness, of uncaring, the layers of pride, the layers of sin, the layers of whatever else might be there, that you'd strip those away so that your truth from your word, might actually penetrate into our hearts and our minds today, that we might be changed. Thank you for your grace in which we stand. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the operative verses I was really wanting to key, key us in on there is in the midst of this discussion as they come and ask Jesus, which is a great question, by the way. I don't think they meant it for a great question. I don't think their goal was to bring out, you know, this brilliant uh, teaching from Jesus that really nails it down to, for us and says, if you really want to know what it means to uh, follow me, then here it is. I don't think they meant that at all. But Jesus, as he always was able to do, took what they meant for something else and said, hey, you asked a great question. Let me answer it for you. If you want to boil it down and say, what's most important in your life, here's the answers. And Jesus said this. He said, the most important is this. You should hear this. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And if you were here a year ago, and this is a review for you, I'm sorry that maybe you maybe have to just be reviewing some things. or probably have already heard discussions on this. So, but it is worth our time to simply uh, take a few moments and cement in it once again. What is he saying here? I encouraged us a year ago, when we talked about this, to understand that when he's saying, The Lord our God, the Lord is one, that there's several things he means by saying that God is one. Of course, there's, a, uh, there's a, a sense of unity there. We, we call God the three-in-one, the great three-in-one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But he's one. There's unity there. When he refers to himself sometimes, for example, like in the creation story, he refers to himself in plural, let us make man in our image. But God is one. There's a unity there. In fact, Paul spends time with that. And in in, in when he writes his, his letters, he says, you know, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's unity there. And God is, is one. He's not divided. This, of course, stands in the face of many other, not every other one, but most other religions of the world where there are multiple gods, where there are many gods, where there are uh, just a, a plethora of, of different gods you have to appease. But you should hear this, church. There's one. Lord, our God is unified. There's, there's a unity there. He's together. You, he, there's never going to be a fighting among God, so to speak, or among the gods as to who uh, who they are and what they want to have done, what they want you to do. But there's more to that word one than just that. For it also means that he is the greatest as a superlative. That hero is or the Lord your God. is like We would say number one, like the greatest, right? It's, there's, it come, there's, there's an order and, and, and he's the greatest and God is, is higher than any other. Or if you, and maybe they're kind of the same thing, but you could say that he's first. There's a priority indicated here as well. That the Lord or God is, you know, it doesn't quite make sense that way in English. But in the Hebrew, when it says the Lord or God is one, it's, 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 it's like an, an, an ordinality. He comes first. There's a priority that's there. By the way, I tell you from how the scribe or the person asking the question took it, we can understand that he at least has that in mind. Because he says, uh, he says you are right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. Like there's only one of him and there's nothing else that comes up, ranks up beside him. Except close to him so i would suggest to us that more than it has to do with the unity that is in the godhead it has to do with the um the fact that he is greater and he is more important and he's the only one there is no other one there is no other god there's no one else that you must please or stand before there's no other judge to which you will answer to there's no other uh standard to which you will be held that's what this is saying. If you want to know what's most important, if you want to drill back down to the basics of our faith, the first thing you should understand is to start from the right place, to start from the right foundation, from the right standing point. And that is that God is the only God that you have to answer to. He's the most important thing you have to worry about. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus just told us. Hear, O Israel. Hear, Riverview. here, Hear, church. Here, people of Christ, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's the most important. And he goes on, of course, to say the words we're all familiar with. If that is true, if you're convinced of that, if you want to know what's most important for you, it is to know that you should love God with all that you have. And he goes ahead and mentions what all those things are that you have. You have your heart, your emotions, you have your soul, you have your mind, and you have your strength. Every piece, every facet, every part, every, every little bit from your little toe up to the top hair on your head, or whatever words you want to use, every part of you should be focused toward loving Him. Now, that word love carries a whole lot of things with it, right? A whole lot. What does it mean to say that you love God? What does it mean to say you love your wife or your husband? or you love your children. You can get some glimpses, right? And by the way, just because we say it doesn't always mean we act like it, right? Our actions don't always, don't always walk true to what we say. I used this example just this week with uh, Levi's. We're doing discipleship, but uh, I, I talked about the fact that I can tell my wife I love her, but if I never spend time with her, if I never want to talk to her, I never want to find out what she's interested in or what she wants to, to do or what, what's going on in her world, then is she ever going to believe that I actually love her? Of course not, right? It's just words. We can say we love God and we are to love him with all that we have, but this is where the rubber is going to meet the road, right? Do we ever spend any time with him? Do we ever talk to him? Do we, are we ever concerned about what he's thinking about where he's at on things or what he wants to say? If we're not then they're just mere words that come out of our mouth to say we love him. But that's the most important thing. That's the guiding principle. That's the, 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 the true north, the homing beacon for us, is to love God with everything we have. And, of course, he follows it up with a second piece. The second part of that is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, enough that one hasn't gotten tested this year. Right? And I don't even care where you come out on that whole side of things. Some of you may be, I, I've had a few of these conversations. You may be surprised to hear this, but I, uh, there, it's, it's very, it's not uncommon at all to, in this environment, in the middle of, 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 of a national pandemic, of COVID outbreak, of all this, it's not uncommon at all to have people who, who on both sides, are claiming authentic, sincere Christianity, that that interpret what it means to love your neighbor as yourself completely differently. And I know you're all sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but this is how I know it's true and that they, they're just wrong. Right? What does it mean to say you should love your neighbor as yourself? We don't have time this morning to go into it, but you could read the Gospels because Jesus answers that exact question actually. What does it mean to love your neighbor Right, because they would like to follow that up with a question, well, who is my neighbor? What does that mean? What does that look like? You could look at Jesus' own life and he would answer that question very clearly. What does it mean to love my neighbor? There is no other commandment greater than these. If you will do these two, everything else falls in line after that. By the way, I will tell you, I will tell you, though we may focus many times on loving our neighbors, it's actually the first one we should spend more time focusing on. If you will love God with all that you have and spend time with Him, I will tell you, you will have no trouble loving those people around you. You cannot help to. If you, by the way, let me just say this. This may come out a little harsh. If you say you love God with all you have, but you have trouble loving other people, then I will tell you you don't actually love God. Because you cannot love God and spend time with him and and be in his presence and have his love in you and not love the things that he loves. And he loves us, his creation, more than anything else. Right? So it's impossible for us to not love others and somehow claim that I'm loving God. It doesn't work that way. If we're struggling with that, by the way, I would suggest to us that we not focus so much on loving others more, but we focus on loving God more. Because when we do that, we will love others. We will see the brokenness that is in them, mostly because we'll see the brokenness that's in us and how desperately we need Jesus ourselves. And how if we don't have God's grace and mercy in our lives, then we are a mess. And it's true for you, just like it is for me. But I have to get to that part first for me. There is no greater commandment than these. This is where, if you want to break all of it down, and there's all kinds of discussions and questions we can have, right? There's all kinds of places that this breaks out. There's all kinds of uh, the ways that, where there's practicality that has to walk into this, right? And I'm not argue, arguing with that. I'm not going to tell you that that's not true. I'm not going to make it so simplistic that you're like, you're just being unreasonable, Merlin, because you say it's all this, and if you take care of this, everything. Be, it is true, though, by the way. If you take care of this, everything else will come out of that. But I understand there's lots of issues, and we've faced them this year, right? I mean, this has probably gotten... Again, I, I, the, the brilliance of God in, in, in bringing this to us and then three months later bringing COVID to us and, telling, and having us be in an environment where we have to shut our church down. We can't have church. And you have these big discussions about how we're going to handle this and what we should do and what we shouldn't do and all kinds of disagreements and all kinds of fighting. And, all kind, and then you add on top of that, you have this election cycle that's just been crazy. And, and this has gotten tested. I'll tell you, when it's, it's one of those things where if it, if it weren't God... I would, I would, I would, maybe I should laugh anyway, but the irony is unbelievable. God says, hey, I want you to focus on the basics and coming back to the basics of your faith this year, and then he throws all this other stuff that's going to distract us, right? He throws everything he possibly, well, probably not everything he possibly can. (laughs) If we say that, we better be careful, right? Because there's a whole lot more that's coming. But he throws so much at us that's testing and say, are you really going to focus on coming back to the basics this year, or are you going to allow yourself to be distracted by everything that's going on? Are you going to get wrapped up in a political debate? Are you going to get wrapped up in a COVID debate? Are you going to get wrapped up in what's right with this or what should happen with this? And, I, and by the way, those are the two big ones you hear all the time. I'm not unaware of the fact that many of you in this room have faced all kinds of other drama and hurts and pain and unforeseen circumstances that no one counted on this year. I can tell you, though, with 100% certainty That does not change the need, the requirement, the overarching necessity for us to make sure that we have come back to the basics of our faith this year and are walking faithfully with him. I would tell you, the closer and closer we get to the appearing of Jesus Christ, the more and more important it is that we worry about one thing and one thing only, and that is that we are faithfully walking out what he has asked us to do so that we're ready. Again, I'm sorry for the uh, distraction it probably will cause with my font. It's not supposed to look like that. But I, back then, when I preached this message, I brought to you five what I called categories of things that will help us assess whether we are loving God with all that we have, whether we are aware of what the basics of our faith are, and what will help us put those things to a test. And my question for you this morning is, how did you do this year? How did you do this year in returning to the basics of your faith? Would you say this morning that you love God more today than you did a year ago when I preached this message? Would you say, and you look at these categories, would you say that your devotion is greater for God now than it was a year ago? Would you say your passion You are more passionate about who God is and what it means to follow him faithfully today than you were a year ago. Would you say that you have taken care this year to purify your life, that you are more purely, you are more holy, if that's another good word to use with that word, you are more holy today than you were a year ago. Would you say that you can accurately say that my time has reflected an emphasis on coming back to the basics of my faith? the way I spend my time, the things I do with my hours and minutes and seconds that I have every day of my life reflect a sincerity in wanting to be more faithful to what God asks me. Would you say that as you look at the money you've spent this year, that it reflects that you could lay that out in front of us all and say, see, I can show you this year versus the year before that I have come back to the basics of my faith and has said, I have some things that have to change about. And maybe you'd say, maybe nothing had to change with your money. I, that, that's between you and the Lord. I don't know. But would you say that you have grown this year? Would you, how did you do with this, this theme of back to the basics? Do you feel like you've tucked in a bit more? Or do you feel like you've drifted a bit more? Like you've gotten more distracted? Like you've gotten more fired up? I have just tried to convince you with the opening whatever it was, 10 minutes, convince you that there's nothing that's more important. Not being right in a COVID debate, not making sure that the right people know what's happening in our political, I mean, that, the, that we know what's happening with our political situation, that these people are stealing an election or that these people are whatever. That, that, that's, those are not the most important things. What's most important is that we are, are, are pulling in and pulling closer and recognizing that what's necessary for me is to love God with all that I have to love God with every bit of who I am and to love my neighbor as myself. How has that gone for you this year? Let me just take some time to focus on some of these things. You know, as I say it, not only in the picture, I try to do this pictorially, but not only as I did in the picture, but sort of the foundational thing of this, do we love God with all we have and love others, is this word devotion. This word devotion, of course, means what are we, what, where is our allegiance at? What are we devoted to? What do we give our heart to? What, 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 what claims a pull? Like if this is happening or if this person says this or if this goes like this, that's what draws me out to it because I'm devoted to that. We're devoted to lots of things, aren't we? Right? We can do better than this. We're devoted to lots of things, aren't we? Are we always devoted to the right things? Is our highest devotion what should be the highest devotion? That's the question. If we're going to come back to the basics and say, hey, we heard that the Lord our God is one, that he's the first most important one, then the, the first place that rubs into is then he has to have the highest devotion in our lives. He has to have the highest place of honor in our lives. Now, just take a quick little run through with me. What are some things that steal our devotion or the honor that Christ deserves or the honor that God deserves in our life? What are some things that steal that devotion away from us? We can be interactive. I love being interactive. Make sure you're staying awake. I'll start calling you by name if I, never mind. I won't do that. What are, what's that? Work. Okay. Work takes our devotion. What else? All right. Now you said it all at once. What's that? Family and TV. All right. The TV and family work. All right. Keep going. There's a lot. There's a long list we could do here, folks. Smartphones. Smartphones. Hobbies. Thank you. Fear. fear. Hey, you don't think about that one very often, right? We're, we're naming like things, but fear takes our devotion away, right? Because we're honoring whatever we think might happen over here over Christ. Something else in your head? Self. That's something nobody's mentioned yet, and I would tell you it's the biggest thing that robs God of his place of devotion is ourselves us. Putting us number one. Making sure we get happened, whatever happens to us, that, that that's what we deserve and that's what we get. And, and that's why we get upset when things don't go well, right? That's why trials are hard for us. We all just sat in our Sunday school room, well those of us in my Sunday school room, all just sat there and the question was read, like what's your first reaction to trials or suffering? What do you think was, the, what was, what do you think was, came out of our mouth? We're sitting in Sunday school, right? Always the question, do I give the Sunday school answer or do I give the real answer? Well, the real answer is what's, what's, what we should be giving, right? Well, first we whine and we, get, we feel sorry for ourselves and we get a little angry. We look at what the problem is we try to fix the problem to relieve that, ourselves from that suffering. Before we start thinking with our spiritual eyes or our spiritual mind and saying, well, what does God want to teach me from this? A lot of that comes down to where our devotion is, because if we are devoted to ourselves and keeping ourselves happy and comfortable, then we don't like things like suffering. We don't like things that don't go the way we want them to go. My question to you is, where has your devotion gone this year? Has it moved to where God has had a higher place in your life, where loving Him has been more important Or has it moved to where I can't believe I'm gonna lose some of these freedoms. I can't believe I have to stay in my house. I can't believe I have to put on a mask. Where is my true devotion? And I'm not belittling those things. Those are real things that many of us are struggling with. But they cannot be the first thing, the most important thing. They cannot have our devotion. But you know what? I know something far better than me standing up here and asking you to just think about it. Because there's one person who really can answer without a shadow of a doubt, What your devotion, what's happened to your devotion this year, whether you're more devoted or not, and that's the Holy Spirit, which means we should ask him. So why don't we do that? Why don't you close your eyes? God, we want to come to you in prayer this morning, knowing that you have said the most important thing is to recognize your greatness your singularity, that there's no one other beside you, your unity, that you are God and we are to love you with all that we have, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, we're to love others. And our question this morning that we're wrestling with in terms of, of, of the evidence of that is where our devotions lie. This morning, God, we're going to be, we're going to be bold in your presence. At least I'm praying that we as a church body are willing to be bold in your presence. And we're going to ask you point blank, Holy Spirit, where our devotions lie. I encourage you, church, this morning, as I'm praying up here, you ask that question literally. I don't care if you want to ask it out loud, if you ask it quietly, whatever you do. But would you ask, are you willing this morning to ask the Holy Spirit where your devotions lie? What you are devoted to who you are devoted to. Holy Spirit, I ask you to unveil the true devotion of my heart. Friends, brothers, and sisters here this morning, as you ask him that question, you should expect an answer. It is our joy and delight, is it not, when he comes back to us and reveals to us that our devotion for him has grown, and I pray that's true. But we also recognize that there may be plenty of us sitting here this morning that are being told right now that our devotion is not exactly where it ought to be. Can I counsel you or encourage you this morning? I didn't put a handout here this morning, but can I counsel you or encourage you to simply flip your bulletin over if you have one or find a piece of paper somewhere and jot down what's running through your head this morning in regards to your devotion? Father, we don't want to falsely humble ourselves before you. This is not about saving face in front of a church people that we go to church. This is about us being raw and honest with you, and simply asking you the question: Am I devoted to you? Am I as devoted to you as I ought to be? Has my devotion grown in this past year, or what carries the true devotion in my heart? What am I allegiant to? Who am I allegiant to? Thank you, Father, pray in Jesus' name, amen. I did no preparation, I did not prepare you in any way for anything that's gonna happen this morning, and I don't know if that's helpful or not helpful. I think we ought to be prepared every Sunday when we gather for corporate worship to just spend time in the Lord's presence and invite him to speak to us. And I intend to walk through all of these, we may not take as much time with each one of these, but I intend to walk through with all of these Things and just ask the Lord, if these are the tests, if we can look at these words and be, say, these are the tests of whether I'm loving God with all that I have, then I want you to test me. I want to be like the psalmist who says, try me, test me, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me, see if there's any way that's not honoring unto you. The next word I put on, there's the word passion, for I find many times in my own life, I can be I can see myself as devoted as, I, as possible. And by the way, all of these, I said this, come out of devotion in, in many ways. For whatever I'm devoted to is where my passion's going to go. It's what I keep myself pure for. It's where I put my money and my time. But I find myself many times saying, oh, I'm really devoted, but I just kind of quietly hum along and I'm losing, I don't ex- display, I don't have this passion to serve or to be, to be, to be up front or to bold or to share who Jesus is with every opportunity I have. Paul tells us that, by the way. The days are evil, right? That was one of the back to the basics messages. I preached. I don't know if you knew it was one of those, but it was back when we went into, into quarantine. The days are evil. Therefore, we should make good use of our time. We should take every opportunity that we have as we are walking wisely towards those who are outsiders. That means we're willing to share Jesus. And I can tell you, you can tell me, you can agree with me, we have seen more passion from people in this last six or nine months on, on a whole variety of subjects, mostly centering around COVID and the presidential election. But we've seen lots of passion from people. My question is, are we as passionate about Jesus, about our faith? Are we as passionate about reading from the Bible? Are we as passionate about spending time in prayer? Or would we rather argue with each other about those things? Where is our passion? What are we passionate about? What gets us excited We all display passion in different ways. So I don't expect all of you to come up here like me and get all excited and yell and jump around. That's not all of you. But I can tell you all of you are passionate about things. No question. Whether you display it like I do or not, all of you are passionate about things. The question is, if I've gone back to the basics, have I gone back to being more passionate about Jesus than I was a year ago? So once again, I invite you to simply ask the Holy Spirit that question. Has my passion grown, or have I been distracted by stuff that's coming out there? Stuff that's, that's that I'm that I that I'm wrestling with, or worrying about, or talking about, or that's taken my attention? Let's ask Him. God, once again, you know we're thinking through these things. We're we we most of us we're adults here. We 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 know where this is headed, but but we want to quiet ourselves before You. We want to allow you to give us an honest assessment of our passion for you. Maybe if I were to couple the second of these two great things, our passion for other people. It seems lately this year, as as the year, maybe not lately, this year, it seems as we've gone through this year, Father, that I've spent a lot more time being unhappy with people than I have been being passionate about them. Have a passion that they see The love of Christ, that they come to know, that they place their faith. The time is short. The days are evil. Where's my passion? Holy Spirit, will you answer that for us this morning as we ask you, what am I passionate about? I have a passion for you God a passion for the things of you and again as you speak to me I want to be faithful to just not think it just in my head but to write it out or to make it somehow more permanent so that I can can know and can remember what you've said to me this morning and we thank you in Jesus name amen again I just I I said it my prayer the first time I'll just say it directly now to you you have your eyes open you're looking at me I would strongly encourage you write this down Whatever the Lord is saying to you this morning, whatever's going through your head, whatever your, wherever your heart's at, write it down. It's very, very, you know, I've said this lots of times before. It's very, very easy to sit in a church service and to say that was a great word and to walk out and several hours later, certainly by tomorrow, not having changed, been changed in one bit by what you heard. I would tell you that's a big problem of passion. If you're willing to hear it and not and just let it wash away, that's, that's not very a lot of passion. Let me say one more thing about passion, by the way. I think the other mistake that I have made and that we make sometimes is that we assume that if I'm passionate about something, that everyone else ought to be too, even if it's something from God. Like, I have a passion for preaching, I say this tongue-in-cheek many times, but I really do feel like that. Like I, like it's a sin to be boring while you're preaching because like that's, just, that, that, that's, that's bad, right? But I have a passion for it. I don't expect that to be true for every one of you. I don't think all of you are so passionate about preaching as I am. But there are some things that you're passionate about. Let's not expect that everyone is passionate about the same things. The passion is not about the thing. The passion is, do you have a passion for God? That you want to be faithful to him, that you want to bring glory to him, not to you, but to him, that you want to represent him, that you want to be his ambassador, that you want to portray the love of Christ in the best possible way. Here's a good one, one we don't like to talk about because it steps on our toes about every single time. Have you become more pure for Christ this year or less pure? We can't really do this, but I, I, it, I would, it would really be fun. Maybe fun is not the right word, but it would really be fun to actually sit and allow each of you to answer that question. I mean, just literally answer that question to me this morning. Have you become more pure for Christ this year or less pure? I'm interested. This is... Not, so it applies a bit like this, but I had an interesting, situation, uh, uh, interesting experience in my own life. When I was a child, I struggled with anger greatly. I lost my temper all the time, and it was a big problem. And as I got into my teenage years and my young adult years, I, I thought I had dealt with it. I thought I had learned how to just not be angry about stuff, or just, I, I, I thought I had dealt with it. And in some degrees, I think I had. The Lord worked on that in many ways, but... It was a new experience for me that when we got married, and we were married for seven years, and it was, I, I don't know, I don't think it was a huge problem. My temper wasn't. But when we had children, for some reason, I, I realized that that something was still there, that my temper came out more often again. I don't know why that is. Something, maybe some of you can answer that for me. But but it, it, with my children, it's just sort of like stuff happened, and I, and I would get angry. And I remember being surprised because I was, I thought, well, I dealt with this. I don't, I don't have an anger problem anymore. If you would have talked to me as an 17-year-old, I said, yeah, yeah, I had an anger problem, but it's being dealt with. And as a 22-year-old, I said, I don't have an anger problem anymore. And as a 28-year-old dad, I suddenly realized, I have an anger problem still. I say that to say, in a year like we've had, when there's all kinds of pressures, when there's all kinds of insecurities, there's all kinds of things we're frustrated about, it's at those times where those things that we have struggled with that make us impure come back out, even when we felt like we've dealt with them. So as you sit here this morning, this time we're going to do it with our eyes open because I think the Holy Spirit can talk to us just as easily that way as he can with our eyes closed, even though we're more comfortable sometimes eyes closed. I just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, have I become more pure this year or have I become less pure? Have I, have I returned back to a holiness that God has asked of me that says, I want you to be holy as I am holy. I want you to be set aside, set apart. I want you to demonstrate with your life purity. Or have I said, there's so much other stuff going on that there's a few things I'm willing to just let go of and not, not be holy anymore? Has, has bad language crept back into your heart? Has, has idolatry of some kind crept back in? Has impurity, has lust crept back, crept back in? Has pornography crept back into your life? All those things, maybe, you've, maybe you maybe thought you dealt with them. I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I'm just putting, throwing stuff out there to help you to think through things. Again, as you are thinking this through, and I'm hoping you're willing to be honest this morning, be willing to write some things down. Put them somewhere where you're going to think about this, not just today, but tomorrow and this week and in the coming weeks. I really should have just done these two together because that's really how they go, but I talk about these often as the two great proofs of where our devotion lies, where our passion is, what we're really concerned about, what we really love, who we really love, and that is the two great tests of money and time. Where does my money go? What do I do with my time? I know you may get tired of this, you know where we're headed, but in this case, I know you all know what money is, I know you all know what time is. I don't have to explain a lot about it, right? But I have to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit that question. Does what I've done with my time and my money this past year reflect a desire to be pure and holy, to have a passion for God, to love him with everything I have? Or have I spent my money on stocking up on ammo and on supplies for when the Armageddon comes or whatever, whatever word I want to use? Have I spent my time making sure that all my Facebook friends are right in their understanding of how the world works. What have I done with my time and my money this year? Does it reflect a desire to grow and to love God with all that I have and to love others, love my neighbors as I love myself? Once again, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. You, of course, know everything, God. You know our checkbook better than we know it ourselves. The reality is, God, as I ask these questions, as we're sitting here this morning, we can say whatever we want to to each other. We can refuse to acknowledge anything we want to. We can hide all we want to. But that doesn't change the fact that you know already whether our time or our money was spent as it ought to have been spent this past year. God, I am the furthest from the person who believes that this morning is about a thing of guilt. That you're just whopping us over the head with guilt. You weren't good enough. You didn't do it well enough. Because that's not your aim. Guilt brings condemnation. What you are interested in doing is you're interested in bringing conviction to us that we might change. You're interested in us being as honest with you as to what you already know about us to be transparent before you, to want to have your opinion about what's happening in our lives and what we're doing and then to nudge us to a place of greater holiness, greater devotion, greater passion, a greater reflection with what we do with our time and money that we love you with everything that we have. And so we're asking you this morning, again, to strip away those layers, to reveal to us Not because you want to make us feel bad, but because you want us to grow. I thank you for your faithfulness, for your grace, for your mercy to us, both of which we experience as we spend time this morning. Your grace and your mercy. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. When Jesus was asked which commandment is the most important of all, he answered. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Friends, as you spent time with the Lord this morning, as you hopefully jotted some things down, take a look at your list of what you jotted down. If you didn't jot anything down, take a mental recollection, trip back down to what the what you were thinking as we spent time with those. Were you given some things to work on? Were you made aware of any shortcomings? Perhaps you were encouraged this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to simply, if there's anything there that you were convicted on that needs to be confessed, it doesn't mean... Does you a little good for me to make you aware of that and then not provide an opportunity for you to uh, deal with that? And so I would just uh, in, in invite you, we're gonna have closing prayer here in just a little bit, although I will tell you we're gonna do it a little differently than we often do. You may not like me after this. Just give you fair warning. I don't really care, but you may not like me. I do care, I want you to like me, but anyway, I don't care if you're not happy with me after this. But we're gonna have a closing prayer and I wanna just give you a chance to uh, or just make sure you know that if there's something you were convicted of this morning that is an error that you should confess that. Maybe you already did, and that's good, but you should confess that. You should make, your, make it right. To the best of your ability, you should walk out of these doors and out of this church today knowing that you stand right before God. And I want to just remind you that uh, you can do that if you confess and repent of the things that the Holy Spirit has brought to your mind this morning. You were not held to the things that the Holy Spirit did not convict you of. I can assure you of that. So don't feel like you walk out and you're like, well, I'm still a human. I still, I just, if you've asked the Holy Spirit to make you aware of things, and he is faithful in doing so, and you confess those things and repent of them, ask for his forgiveness, then you are forgiven. The Bible's clear about that. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you should do that today. You should not walk out those doors without doing that. But I also want to encourage you that in an effort to be sincere about going back to the basics of our faith, it will require a longer lasting engagement with this than just this morning. The things you've written down, the things that the Holy Spirit has said to you, the, the things that are going through your head as you're thinking about these categories I had up there, that you will re, re, require you a bit more time than just this morning. A bit more engagement, a bit more uh, stick to itness to say, Keep pressing in on here. And I can also tell you that the best way to ensure that to be true is to make sure that there's someone else that knows about what you have to work on. So I'm going to ask you to be gracious with each other, to be uh, full of confidence with each other and each other's best interests. As we close here today, what I'd like to have us do is to simply spend time with each other in prayer. So, the simplest way to do it is to gather with people here. I know you didn't know that when you sat down with them, so I'm sorry if you chose badly. I'm just kidding, by the way. You didn't ever choose badly. We're all believers here. We ought to be. But just turn to someone that's close to you. You can do it as couples if you want, but not too many, please, because it's going to take way too long. Just turn to somebody who's there, and, and honestly, if it's your spouse, I'm okay with that, because that's the person you would live with. They should know these things. But... I Pick one thing that the Lord, uh, that you were thinking about, that the Lord, I don't know if I, some of you don't like when I say this phrase, but but that that the Lord brought to mind as you were going through our prayer times. Pick one thing, and it could be an encouragement. It could be something that he said, you're doing well in this. I don't care. I doubt that's, I mean, I'm guessing most of us have something that the Lord revealed to us isn't very good. And then would you just be gracious with each other and pray for each other real briefly about that? Is that clear what what I'm asking? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask you to do that. I'm going to pray from up here quietly, and I'll pray out loud to kind of close the whole time. But if you were to do that, and if you totally feel like I can't do that, that's way, like, I, that's just, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies to think about that. I don't care if you pray by yourself. It's not like, uh, it's, it's, not like it's the worst thing in the world. And if you have business to do with him and you want to walk up to the front here and pray, that's totally fine. The, uh, the altar, as it were, is open. I'll, I'll pray with you if you walk up here if you want to. But what I'm interested in knowing, or in you knowing, is that the things that God is saying to us and he wants us to work on are things that will stick to us as we share with each other and pray with each other about. So, don't take too much time. Turn to someone that's close to you. Share at least something that is running through your head this morning. Uh, I should hear the sound of voices. You can talk out loud. I hope you do. You can't. It's really hard to communicate without using words. Um, It's possible, but really hard. So just talk to each other a little bit, and then just pray for each other. And uh, I'll be praying up here, and I'll close in prayer out loud to let you know when we should draw to close. Make sense? Go for it. Father God, I thank you that in Jesus Christ we have the way, the truth, and the life, that he has... I declared that to be true when He walked around. From Your Word, we accept it by faith, and we know that there's no other way for us to be right with You than through Jesus Christ. This morning, we again receive the blood of Jesus Christ as its cleansing and life-giving uh, uh, power that it has for us to be forgiven, to be justified before You, and we recognize that we uh, are called to be sanctified. And we want that to be true. That's really what this morning was about, Father, is that as you call us back to an understanding of what's the most important in our lives, that we're to love you with all that we have, that's to say that we are to be sanctified. We're to be called to holiness, to a passionate devotion to you and you alone. Where we have strayed from that, we have found that out this morning, and we we have repented of it, and we've said, God, help us. Help us to walk faithfully, to walk in devotion, to walk passionately, to walk in purity, to have our walk of time and money, the way we spend those things, reflect the fact that we love you with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, and that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. These things have gotten tested this year, Father. They've gotten tested probably for some of us in ways that it's never happened before in our lives. Even in the correction you bring, Father, even in the conviction, even in the uncomfortable acknowledgement that we have to have to say, God, I'm wrong and you were right. Even in that, there is encouragement for us. For it reminds us that you love us. You care for us. It reminds us that there's another alternative, that we can have those things forgiven, that we can have a hope for a future. It reminds us that you, Jesus, have overcome. In this world, we'll have trouble, but you have overcome the world. And we take heart in that. We're encouraged by that. So even as we may have had our toes stepped on, we say, thank you, God. You've reminded us of this before, and we say it again to you this morning, God. We'd rather have our toes stepped on now than have our body burned in hell. Thank you. Give us a renewed desire, renewed idea of how to return to the basics of loving you with all that we have and trusting you to take care of all this other stuff. Trusting you to give us the hows in particular when those times come. Thank you, Father, for a congregation that is willing and faithful, and desires to walk right before you. I ask for your blessing upon them. I ask for your Holy Spirit to just bring that encouragement that as we leave this place today that it would be with light steps and hearts of joy and minds that are renewed and encouraged and the sense of love and peace that we have when we are right with you. I pray for the fullness, the joy of salvation to return and to be full as we gather together in conversation afterwards and as we leave this place and as we go through a week. We praise you. We thank you. It's all because of you. We give you the glory. Jesus, you are the greatest, the highest. We magnify your name and we pray in your name. Amen.